is the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Eve McCartney is the film and television production set designer. In her role, Eve creates layered, realistic environments that enhance the narrative and engage the viewer. In her most recent project, Eve was responsible for the look and feel of Ryan Murphy's new anthology series, American Horror Stories for FX on Hulu. Welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Boss. I am Alex and I am here with Gabby. Gabby, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. So excited to be back recording. We took a little break of hiatus, but we love to do it in rounds, guys. You know how we do because we're super busy people, but we're back at it and we, and we love it. I'm here. I'm here for it. And today's guest Eve, most recently her work has been with Ryan Murphy's anthology series, American Horror Stories for FX on Hulu. And we're super excited to talk to her. Eve, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, we want to learn a little bit more about you growing up and then how your creative side was developed as a child and then what ultimately got you into set design. Okay. Um, so I was always creative as a kid. Um, I, I remember, I think it was maybe fifth, no, fifth grade. I think it might've been kindergarten actually, where my teacher told my mom that I was very creative uh, with some, you know, some project I had, I had made in class. Um, so that, that started at a very young age for me. I was always painting and drawing and entering contests, you know, at home and I, which I won a few of those. Um, so that started really early for me, but it didn't become clear that I wanted to do this career path until much later. I actually went to Villanova. I studied, um, art and architecture. I had a minor in art history um, I did study media and film, but I was a little like un- uncertain of, of what I wanted to do. And I got into the workforce. I moved to New York. Um, I worked at a newspaper because I went back to school for graphic design actually prior to that. And I worked at a newspaper doing the layout and ads for local businesses. And then I transitioned into advertising. And then I was doing campaign different campaigns and we would pitch companies to do campaigns with ideas and uh, print marketing and direct mail. So I did all of that kind of stuff for a few years. And then I found film. So I was in New York and I was looking for something else. And um, I was just kind of unhappy. And in my current career, it just wasn't kind of scratching that itch, I think, for me. Um, And I remember watching the Oscars that year. And it was like, you know, art director. And I was like, well, I'm an art director. Like, what's the difference? And I started researching it and I went, oh yeah, like I have a lot of these skills already. Some I didn't, but a lot I did. So I signed up to do a short film on Craigslist. Um, I had three days and $300 to get everything. And, um, you know, I stepped on set that first day we were in a prison in Queens and I just knew I was like, okay, this is, this is it. You know, this is, this is what I want to do. And I, kept doing it in New York while working at the agency and then um, bit the bullet and moved to LA about six months later and just took a shot basically. I love that. I love the fact that you, you answered an, an ad on, on, on Craigslist to see, you know, the possibility. So if, if, to see if you were even interested in that and then that just led into a whole new career path for you and something that you're so passionate about, you found your passion. What, what was, 
what was your biggest break into the industry? Because you've done a lot of notable things in set design from then until now. So what was that big break for you? So I would say it was probably the ballad of Lefty Brown, you know, breaking through into something that was a little, you know, had, had bigger caliber actors. It was a period piece, so it required a lot of research. Um, it, you know, it had a, a bit of a bigger budget. That was that was a break for me. My, I would say my my first break would have been when I was when I was in LA and I was doing, you know, I was kind of doing a lot of different types of jobs. I was designing some small stuff. I was kind of in the lifetime world. So that was like my first break was getting into that with that group of producers because I did six or seven films with them. And I really kind of got a feel for LA, growing up in LA and working in LA. And then then I wanted to get into indies. And I did Future World, which was like the first one. Um, and that was tough. It was hard and kind of down and dirty, but really fun, post-apocalyptic. It was really exciting. And then I got Ballad. And that to me was kind of the turning point, I think, because it was a more serious film. And it was reviewed well. It was A24. And that's when I feel like the tide started to shift a little. Um, and then getting into the dark was a good one because, you know, I had worked on a YouTube series, um, Lies on Demand. And, you know, YouTube, it's got a bit of a stigma. It's like, you know, they did Cobra Kai. They did some things, Impulse. But they didn't get a lot of traction. There wasn't a lot of, I think, um, awareness because it's YouTube and it's like DIY. And, you know, so it's just original content was a bit weird. Um, for that. And so getting into Hulu on Into the Dark was really great. And it was anthology. And I got to do so many different types of projects because it's just like American Horror Stories where each episode is its own story. Um, and those were feature, they was were feature length. They were 90 minute episodes, whereas Horror Stories is, um, you know, 60 minute episodes. So that, that I would say is valid to Lefty Brown for production design is where the tide really changed for me. Um, and then now American Horror Stories obviously is the, the big one. <laughs> this is, before I feel like my get, moment. Yeah, that is your most notable one, we would say. Right. But before we get into American Horror Story, yeah. I wanted to ask, and just to clarify for people listening, and even for myself, what does it entail to be a production designer? Like, what exactly is your role? And how does your job come to life, you know, I, I'm guessing you get the script and then you kind of start doing the research and then it comes to life on the set. But if you can kind of walk us through that, that would be amazing. Sure. So um, I'm in charge of the art department and it's a big umbrella, just like the DP is in charge of, you know, lighting grips, all that. So I have my own departments within the art department uh, that I manage. So I'm responsible for hiring all the keys for all of those roles and then managing them and managing the overall budget and all the logistics and, you know, dealing with the ADs and dealing with the location managers and orchestrating all of that. Right. So that's like the kind of the business side of it. And then the creative side is the really fun side is cultivating a vision for the project, whether that's a series or a feature, um, and, and you do that in concert with the director. So you you know you meet with the director or the showrunner if it's a series. Um, and yes, the script is always the starting point. It tells you about your characters. It tells you about your environments, the environments that you need to create. And sometimes you're doing that practically on locations with modifications and paint and wallpaper and things like that. And other times you're building it from scratch. And that's that's where it can be really fun because you're really creating it um, in your vision and the director's vision. So in that process, I have a construction coordinator and a whole 
construction team under him or her. And then I have a, a whole paint department. I have set designers that draw up the plans. They do that. It's a very technical job being a set designer. Um, I have art directors that manage set designers in construction. I have a set decorator, a prop master. They each have their own teams, greensmen. And then there's a lot of crossover with the special effects. They're not under that umbrella, but we work very closely together as I do with locations. Um, and then of course I work very closely with the DP for lighting. Um, so it's, it's, it's really fun. I, I always start with mood boards. Creating the vision is about showing how you see things and really delving into character and, and having many conversations with the writers and the director about the characters and what we want to pull out of them and what we want to really enhance through the environments to en enrich the story. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the starting point. So it's the mood boards and then, you know, this works, this doesn't work. We kind of really nail it down, get it really tight. And then, then I divulge that to my team. And then I start, you know, giving them marching orders and saying, okay, this, we're, we're going to use these colors. We're going to avoid these colors. We're leaning into this style of furniture, this time period. We want this, th these type of moldings, these type of um, doors, whatever it is, how specific it can get, depending on the story. Um, and that's, you know, that's the job. So it's 24 seven, you're never really off, you know, you're kind of always on call um, and you're working pretty much with all the departments and then you're managing a quite a large team. We had a pretty large team on horror stories. So it's a, it's a definitely a lot of people. So you need to use your key people to do their managing within their own, you know, departments within. I have, I have another question just to add on to that. So sure. once you do come up with all of those set designs and they're, they go up and they're live, like, does that mean you guys kind of like, okay, you wait a little bit, you're on hold for your work or does it constantly evolve? Like, do they ask for changes all the time? Yeah. Or is it like, you know, obviously there's different sets. So um, you're working on another set while the other one's already up or like, how does it work? So good question. Um, it de depending on the project, it, it changes. Um, on Ballad, once the sets were set, that's what they were. And that's what was shot. But on TV, there are con it's constantly changing. So there were definitely times where we put something up and then we had to make a set bigger or change the style or change the, you know, the architecture of it or the way it came together um, to suit a new stunt or a new, you know, a new dialogue scene or whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's kind of always changing. And on anthology series specifically, because each story is new, you have no permanent sets, you have no rest. On a normal series, you have permanent sets. So when you go to the apartment set or the house set or whatever it is, it's a bit of a break where you can then be working on other things. We never had that because every set was a swing set. So we were either on location or on stage. And I was having to design sets while we're shooting this one. We had about 10 days before we started shooting the next one. And I'm having to design and build sets in that time and location scout and make wow. plans for those, right? And then, and then there were still changes happening on the one we were shooting daily. So, you know, I had two art directors and I had to lean heavily on them to help manage. Once we started shooting an episode, they were kind of in charge of that episode, like the day-to-day. -day. And I would always open set and I was around, but they were putting out the little fires so I could be moving on to the next one with the director and the DP. And I'm super curious, how long is your pre-production time from the day that you start your actual pre-production with your crew until the first day of shooting? So it always varies. Um, 
American Horror Stories, it was eight weeks until we started shooting the first one. That's a really which was, short time. It was short. Um, it felt very luxurious because <laughs> we were we were prepping the first two at once. So, and uh, the director was very uh, detailed, very detail oriented. He knew exactly what he wanted, which made my life very you know a lot easier than it than it could have been. And when we got into that, it was it was like a false sense of security. It, it wasn't enough time, but we compared to what we then were up against once we started shooting, it felt very luxurious because once once we started shooting them, then I had a prep drive-in and all of a sudden drive-ins happening. And it was a beast. That was a you know huge episode. And then we're doing, we're in the middle of that. And then I'm prepping the naughty list and that, you know, so it just stacked and it just stacked and stacked and stacked. And it was like a runaway train kind of, yeah. um, and into the dark, I think I only had four weeks, I think before we shot the first one wow. and we, yeah. And we had about, 15 days between episodes and that's what we had to, to scout and build whoever we were going to build. And, um, you know, ballad, I prepped for about eight or nine weeks and that was, that was good for that. I felt prepared. I felt ready. Um, cause you know, we were kind of contained. We had like the town, we had the ranch, you know, we had, we were, and then we were like exterior a lot of the time. So that, that felt manageable, but, um, yeah, usually you don't have as much prep as you really need. And it's when just do you, when do you sleep, Eve? Tell <laughs> Not much. Um, I remember when we were doing the Halloween event at Griffith, I was getting up at four. Like I just couldn't like I would just wake up and I'd sit at my dining room table and I'd work for like three or four hours and then I'd go to the park. And it was that was pretty brutal. Um But what are we you doing just, at the park? Oh, to go shoot? Yeah, we were setting oh. up the Hall the Halloween carnival mm -hmm. in the second episode. Um, it was a big push, and we only had three days, so that was that was really crunchy. But um, you know, I if you if you plan well and you have a good team in place, you can find a balance. It's hard, but uh, that's always the goal, right? Is to to try and get enough rest. But you never do. I mean, the show ended, and I was exhausted. <laughs> I was definitely ready for a break. Um, but for I sure. think that because you are a creative yourself and you're so passionate. Like, I feel like the passion fuels you. Yeah, absolutely. I, there has to be some sort of like satisfaction to see your work come to life. Like just from oh, a absolutely. Mood, mood board to coming to life. Yeah. So much satisfaction between that, no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, the, the Halloween carnival was a perfect example of that. Cause we found out three weeks before we were shooting it, that it went from a high school Halloween dance to the best haunt in Los Angeles. That's like a big swing. Big that's not, right. you know, that's like, that's not easy. And and we had to come up with a theme and we couldn't do anything like that would be considered standard or normal per Ryan. And so we're like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, we can't do any of the normal stuff. And, and we hatched a plan and I spent all the weekends and days designing these vignettes and coming up with freaks that we could, we could get to perform. And, um, and we did it. And then we had three days to set it up. Three days with electric, everything. Speaking of working with someone as iconic as, as Ryan Murphy, how has he been able to influence um, who you are as a creative? Well, um, I've always admired Ryan because of how beautiful his 
his shows are. They're so heavily design focused. So it's a bit of a dream to work under him, you know, to, to help cultivate and bring his vision to life. And he has a very strong sense um, of very strong vision and he he'll be specific about certain things and not about other things, you know? So there's always room to play, which is great. Um, but you have a meeting with him and he'll tell you his ideas for the episode. And that's kind of your jumping off point. And then you kind of, from there you start to create. So it's been really amazing just to see the ideas he has, um, the way he works, the way he likes to shape the narratives. Um, yeah, he's got a really good sense of color and, and design and uh, he's got a great aesthetic, obviously. So I, I for me, it was amazing because I've been watching Horror Story since it launched. Yeah. And I, I love I love horror. And um, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he's just such a visionary. And so it's just I think it's just helped improve me and, and um, narrow my vision in a really productive and positive way, really like fine tune it and really dial it in and, and be very thoughtful about character and um, how you can layer things that will enhance the narrative, but tie back to that character or tie back to that storyline or even foreshadow something that's going to happen. So that's where the real magic happens. Now I heard that, that you guys had the chance to shoot in the, the house from season one, the, the house. Is that, is that a rumor or is that true? That's very exciting. No, we shot, we shot, we shot murder house. Um, we shot three episodes of murder house. We shot the first two and then the last one game over. We went back to the house. Um, so it's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful house. It's super creepy and, um, I mean, it was built in the late 1800s, like 1890. Rosenheim Mansion is the actual name of it. Um, and it's got this beautiful original stained glass and um, the, all the wood, no, all the wood it, paneling it, and yeah, archways. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It yeah. speaks for itself. It's so spooky, but it's just, it's perfect. Yeah, what, it is. What is your, what is your favorite part of the, the process? So I just, it's, um, it's production design and set design are two different things. I'm just going to clarify. Um, a, a set designer draws plans. Like mm. you'll, you'll, I might draw something in SketchUp and then give it to them and then they'll make construction, detailed construction drawings for my team to then physically build the set. A production designer. So is it's more of a visionary role. It's more creative. I do. There's a, I get asked all the time or, um, you know, oh, you're set designer. You know, it's very common. People say set designer when they mean production design. But I just wanted to clarify that because it happens a lot. Um, so they're just very different. You know, one's very creative and one's Strategic, more technical. More exactly. Mm -hmm. And technical. Because it's a lot of math and, you know, and it's, you know, fitting oh, really? things together. There's a lot of math? Well, yeah, because they're using AutoCAD or Vectorworks, and it's a very technical program to, to create blueprints. I mean, that's how you build buildings, right? And so you've got to think about proportion and ratios. And so like, I'll draw something, and it might not be the most square thing, let's say, and they'll take it and they'll make it so that it's perfect. And that's like, I'm like, I just want it to look like this, like however, yeah. <laughs> however you need to, to tweak it. Um, but so back to your original question, you said, what's my favorite part of the production process. design? Just the process yeah. in general, like what you do, what do you love the most? Uh, like the very first stage where I get the script and I read it and then I start to have ideas. That's, that's the best. That's the most fun because you're kind of exploring before you're being 
you know, locked into something maybe a bit more specific. And I just love that the process of, I just spent hours doing research and looking around for images that inspire me. And then I'll get an idea when I see something and then that'll send me off on a different tangent or a different path. And then at the end I start to put them together and then I edit and I pull things out and I add things and then I'll have another idea and then I'll go find more. And that's really how like the vision will come together. So it's like, it's being cultivated through the research and the hours. And I just really enjoy, it's just me by myself doing that for hours and days. Usually it takes me a while to really, to get it to a place where I'm really happy with it. And I would say the 103, so drive-in was the presentation I think I had the most time to do and Ryan loved it. And I was so excited because he talked about it in the meeting, like, eight times. And I was so excited. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, Yay. <laughs> um, but I really did. I felt really great about it. Cause I had just spent so much time on it. I had spent like a couple of weeks, you know, creating these mood boards and this vision. Um, and it was wanna, so exciting. Yeah. I mm-hmm. want to see, like, I want to get into your creative mind. How does Eve get creative? Like, do you light up a candle? Do you put some music? Do you like have to seclude yourself or is it something that just, cause sometimes as creatives, we get blocks, right? Yeah, so absolutely. is there anything that you do in that process that kind of just invites all those creative juices? That's a great question. Hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe I, you don't, maybe you're just yeah. a gifted creative that <laughs> has a million ideas all the time. That's I mean, I, I've definitely had days where I sit down to do that and I'm not as inspired as other days. Right. And it's, it, it's not, I can't really force that inspiration. It's either there or it's not. And if, if I'm interviewing for something and I have to do it, then like, I just have to push through it. But if I have time, like perfect examples with the drive-in episode, I would work on it when I felt inspired and I would really like, and spend hours. And then there'd be other times I'd start and I'd be like, you know what? And I would do something else, some other task. Um, But I, so I just kind of read how I'm feeling and I, I lean into it or, um, I do it when I'm most inspired and, and sometimes I'll, I won't be inspired and I'll start and then I get inspired and it oh, kind yeah. of gets me, gets me going. Gets yeah. Me going. So I, I know that you started out as a graphic designer, right? Mm-hmm. And you moved into this. So there might be a lot of women listening to the show that are graphic designers and they're learning that, wow, I can really expand to other areas that I didn't even know existed. Like even just you sharing the difference between a production um designer and a set designer like they can go into those avenues it's just I love that that you're kind of explaining that so for those listening what advice would you give women out there that maybe want to go into what you're doing the best advice I can offer is to take a course and that will teach you more about it and see if it speaks to you and it's it lends itself to your natural abilities and it's it's an interesting job because you're you're creative but you're also you have to be very logistical and there are some designers that are just creative and their art directors are the logistical ones right and they do nothing with that I'm just very I'm dual natured in that way where I I like doing both and I can do both um because there is a lot there's a lot of planning there's a lot of strategy there's a lot of you know with the scheduling of it all and and how you're going to leapfrog sets and the time that you need to turn things over and things like that. And then you have the creative side, which is the fun side where you get to create all these wonderful things. Um, as far as graphic design, like the first thing I did, I did that film and then I did another short film 
and then I took a course at SVA called, it was a production design course. And it was a woman who was a set designer actually on the showroom. She was a set designer, became a production designer. And that happens a lot because, you know, you're drawing the sets, you understand the architecture, you understand how to put them together. So it's a, it's a good segue into production design because you really understand the design side. I didn't understand, I understood architecture and art history and I had studied that, but I didn't know how to build things. And I didn't really have a sense of that. I didn't know how to read plans. So that was kind of the, and that's such an important part of the job. So I took that course at SVA and I went, I learned how to break down a script and I learned, you know, I learned just how to, how to, how to deal with the location side of things and like to making work notes and how to work that and how to organize. And, um, we did Rosemary's baby. We did a project on that and it just taught me how to come up with ideas and mood boards. And so it was great. It was like my first, um, my first little bit into that, into understanding how it works and what the processes are that, you know, to actually, to achieve it and to create, create the vision and then execute the vision. So I took that. And then when I moved out to LA, I took a course at UCLA extension and I learned how to hand draft because I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. And that then gave me a little bit of a sense of, okay, here's construction plan. This is how you draw them. This is how you understand them. And then I taught myself SketchUp. Then I started taking classes in SketchUp and now I'm like an advanced user. And so I can design things in 3D. So I can understand the space and then I can show it to a director or a DP and, and walk them through the space. So that was really helpful. So I love schooling. I, I, that's the best advice I can give anybody is to, to find a class and, and take the class and see if it speaks to you and it's something that you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the type of those type of careers, we, you you were very self driven, like you went and empowered yourself through education. So that's a that's a good advice. Yeah, it was because it's actually a. I took a class at the advertising agency. It was they were offering it, and I I always like taking classes, and it was on concepting for ad campaigns. And that class taught me that I didn't want to do that job anymore. I took that class, and I was like, I hate this. Like, and then I was like, okay, this isn't. I don't want to stay here. So what? What next? And that's how I then found you know the career that I'm in now. And you know, it was a big jump. I was doing quite well at the agency actually when I left and moved to California. I was actually like financially stable and I had a freelance graphic design business. I was doing quite well. Um, but I was ready to move on from New York and you know, it's it was it was tough. It was not easy. But if you made LA. it through you made it through New York, you can make it anywhere. You know that. <laughs> right. No, and I was gonna it's say true. you were you were already successful in your career and you had you had yeah. a, you had a really good career and you still being secured, being comfortable, you still took that leap of faith to really find mm -hmm. your passion and that's super valuable lesson that just because you feel that you've already made it, you have a you're in a good standing within your career, it doesn't mean that it's fulfilling you inside so taking that leap of faith right. is still worth it and you're proof of that oh thanks yeah it's I'm so happy you know every day with what I do I just it's like I'm like I can't believe I can do it like get paid for this like it's, just, it's so fun you know I love it so much it's hard it's really hard but that doesn't bother me because I like being challenged and I like I, I like something new every time you know it this career lends itself to all all the things that I think bring the most out of me as a creative. So I feel very fortunate to do something I love so much. Yeah, I love that, you know, as as consumers and as people that watch movies or shows, we just watch it for the plot and we're like, yeah, I love the character, but you don't understand how important the location and 
all that you do for for the set and just creating that environment is to that character build up or mm -hmm. or telling the story it's part it's part of the storytelling so yeah absolutely. it's great to meet the people behind that you know oh absolutely yeah so many people don't I mean, my, my parents are a perfect example before I did this. I never looked at the background or thought anything of it. Now all they do is look, you know, like half the time they're not even paying attention to, to the actors or what they're saying. They're like looking, oh, I like that vase or, you know, she'll, and my mom swears she can tell when something's mine now, like, oh, I just knew that that was you. And I'm like, okay, mom, you know, she's like, it just looks like you. Like she swears she can tell like my, my aesthetic and my style. And oh, so, she's so proud. it's really funny. No, they're yeah, so she proud. Is. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's cute. actually a question that I didn't ask you before, which is how you actually became involved with the project American Horror Stories. Um, I was out to lunch actually with a friend. It was February, and I got a call from my agent. It was Saturday, and I didn't pick up because you know, I'm with a friend, and and then I got a text like you had to call me like ASAP, and that like never happens. So I called him, and he starts telling me, and and I had like a little notepad, and I start writing down because you know he's like, look, I have. There's an interview for tomorrow on a Sunday, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. And and he's like, la la, Ryan Murphy. And I was like, come again. <laughs> and he, and he's like, yeah, it's American Horror Story spinoff. And I was like, what? Like, you know, I'm like, this is like a dream. Are you kidding? Um, and so he was so excited, and obviously, and so was I. And I'm like super nervous. I'm like, well how am I going to put together like a presentation? He's like, it's not this, that kind of interview. Um, they're just, they just want to talk to you. And I was like, Oh, and I've, I'd never had that before. I always would get a script or at least, you know, a synopsis or something and always have some sort of, you know, visuals. Cause that's, you know, just, it just helps so much to, to show you where, show them where you are with the project. Um, and so I'm like, okay, you know, so, uh, we set it up and then Sunday morning I had the, the zoom with the director of the first two episodes, first two episodes, Lonnie and, uh, the executive producer showrunner, John Gray. And it just went great. I, you know, they're lovely and they liked my work from into the dark. I honestly think that really helped because it's anthology, it's horror and it's Hulu. Um, and we just got along really well. It went, you know, I'm very passionate about my work and that tends to come across in person, uh, which has always been really helpful. And so, yeah, it just went great. And I actually had just started on the third season of Liza and I was in the office the first day on Monday and we got the call that they were going to submit me to Ryan for approval at like 10. And I'm at this other job, just like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen. And, um, and then it was by one, like I had the offer. Oh. And it was just, it was that quick. It Amazing. was like, yeah, it was like less than 24 hours. And then I had to figure out how to tell them I was, you know, leaving the show, which was hard because I'd done two seasons and I loved the show and I, and I love the showrunners and they're, they're actually both from Philly and I'm from Philly. And so we had all this like really great kind of, you know, stuff in common and, um, and they were upset, you know, but they understood and, the producers were really supportive and wonderful. And I replaced myself actually the same day. I got another designer on board like right away. So um, I left in, I, I left think, them in a good yeah. place. I think it's important to know when, when those times when you have to pivot and even though it might be scary to move forward, but yeah. I feel like that's the only way we can grow as, you know, as professionals mm -hmm. and, and even through the fear, you just got to keep moving, you know? Oh, 100%. I, you know, I said, I can't, I, 
I'm not turning this down. I cannot turn this down. Like, this is the dream. This is what I've been working for for 13 years. Like, this is it. This is the moment. And like, I'm doing it, you know? And, and, and I, and I didn't leave them in a lurch, you know, I, I, I found this great designer who actually the line producer knew and we have friends in common and she does a lot of comedy and she's fantastic and she did a great job. So it all worked out. Um, and you know, I, I dove in head first. I started that Wednesday, um, <laughs> when got the script and, and, and saw my office and, you know, and that was it. And then I just had to start growing up and it was like pretty fast and furious, but, um, but it was, it was amazing, you know? So, and then I just, we just wrapped uh, beginning of August. So mid, mid August. Well, congratulations um, on that. And thank you. Know you. What I was going to touch upon you. You even said it, you found a replacement for yourself who was fantastic. And the way that we should look at it is we're giving the opportunity to somebody else come in and take that spot. Right. Yeah. And how absolutely. amazing is that? Because that's how we all get to move up in the world is by having those opportunities come about. So you just gave someone an opportunity. So it's a positive thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I felt I didn't want to, you know, I, I cared very much about the show and all the people and I didn't want to leave in a, you know, leave them in a bad way. It didn't, and we were five or six weeks out. So it, it happened like right at the beginning of prep, which was also fortunate that it wasn't like in the middle for shooting right. or yeah. Or like we were shooting, you know, that would have been, a, that would have been harder. Um, but so it, it, it all kind of just timed out and I felt like it was all kismet. It was all meant to kind of work out in a really positive way. And it always um, does. It always yeah. does. It's, it's timing is always perfect. Yeah, exactly. What has been your, your proudest project and why? This one, um, American Horror Stories for sure. Uh, it's just so, it was just so challenging, you know, the, the, the nature of it with rolling from story to story, story, and having to start over every episode with new characters and a new story and new sets and new locations. It was really challenging. Um, and we did it and we pulled it off and we did it very well and everybody's very happy. And so that, that made, that made me very happy. It was about probably halfway through the series that I really hit my stride where I was like really dialed in and, you know, in the beginning it was like, Oh God, I'm like scary <laughs> like so much. And, you know, Ryan and, um, and then we just kind of hit our, like our stride, you know, and, and we, we got into a groove and it went really well. Um, prior to horror stories, I would say it would be the ballad of lefty Brown. That was a Western, isn't it? It is. Okay, yeah. It's I know period Western. Yes. Okay. I know, I know exactly what, what feature you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that was a really hard project too. And I love Montana. I've been out there twice. Um, I've done two movies out there and the people are just wonderful and it's so gorgeous and stunning. And, um, and Bill Pullman was amazing. And it just, it was such a great crew and cast and store. And I love the story and the director and I got along really well. Um, and it required a ton of research, but I, I love, that's what I love about period stuff. You know, you, you really have to get in there and get all the details right and you've got to research it, but then you can sometimes play within those. And that's where the fun comes in with creating or, you know, morphing or changing things just a little bit, just to make them unique. Yeah. So you also, as a production designer have to, or your team have to deal with like making sure that, or is that more the DP or I don't know, the director, um, that like the continuity of, things within the, sh the shot like if the 
if a flower pot was like on this side and it moved the other side and, and there's no continuity. Yeah, like, the continuity, yeah. it's us. Yeah, it's oh, okay. so there's a, there's a script supervisor who has like a copy of the script and is tracking the dialogue and is also watching monitor for like if you use this hand, like if it's your right hand, make sure the actor uses the same hand, that kind of stuff. So when it cuts together, it'll cut an eyeline. And and they're usually also keeping an eye on the set dressing, but we have an onset dresser. Mm. And the biggest part of their job is to manage continuity. Yeah. That's their job. They're there to enhance the frame if they can improve it when things move. Cause you know, that might be a shot we didn't plan on. So bringing something over to fill in an empty space or making something look a little better and then also making sure the continuity. And we did a lot of back flipping back and forth in the house in the first two episodes. We had, you know, it was uh, the first episode that was two months later and we shot them consecutively. So, um, or continuously. So it's not like we shot the first one and then shot the second one. We were shooting in the certain parts of the house where we'd be upstairs and we'd shoot some stuff from the first episode and then we go downstairs and we come back up and shoot stuff from the second episode. So the room would have to change. So we had to really plan out the changes and the onset dresser plus our lead man had to make sure that we were all on the same page about like when they were going to flip over the set, him making sure that it matched what it needed to be. And then just bouncing back and forth. And that was, you know, because of the shooting schedule. So that that's always something that complicates things for us. But if you plan it right, you can usually be in front of it and have it be okay. Love it. Awesome. So to wrap the interview, Alex and I are always trying to figure out whether what sign our guest is after we talk oh, to them. Okay. Um, and I was just telling her, like, oh, like, I don't know. I can't tell what Eve is because you have this calming boss energy. And obviously <laughs> all of our guests are bosses, but I'm right. – Getting a vibe of either an Aquarius or a Capricorn. Okay. I'm getting I, a vibe. I'm getting, a, this is, okay. I'm getting a vibe of either a Capricorn or a Pisces. Well, you both have, you both guessed it right. One of your guesses is right. And you both picked it right. Does Capricorn. that make sense? So which, Capricorn? Yep. Yeah. What day? What day? On January 5th. Such a Capricorn yes. Eve. Yes. I yeah, I really am. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's an Aquarian. So yeah, I um I feel like when you read the thing, it's like, oh yeah. Like it's I literally am all all the things. Um so it's funny that you both you both got it. Yeah. You both said the right one and then each had a second guess. That was yeah. perfect. But yeah. Because, because I asked you, when do you sleep? And then you said never, probably. And then I was like, <laughs> That is such a Capricorn thing to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sleep when I'm off. So like I've been, you know, sleeping in now and just trying to catch up on rest and trying to get back and exercising too. Cause you know, you can have like in prep, I was exercising. It was great. And like, once we hit like, that was it. It was oh, yeah. just like, You're there was just day. no time. Yeah. Right. There was just no time for that. Where can, people, where can people keep up with you? Anywhere they can follow you on Instagram or anything? Yeah. I'm on Instagram at, at Eve Mick. And uh, I have a website, which is my first and last name, evemccarney.com. And that's where I put up all of like my set stills. And I, I try, I don't have it up yet for horror stories, but some of my other projects at the bottom of the page, there will be like set plans and set photos and you can kind of see the process a little bit. I like for people to be able to see the transformations before and afters or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where you can 
catch up with me. And everyone so can awesome. and everyone can watch American Horror Stories on FX on Hulu, right? It's out. Yep. Now. So, All seven. Yep. We're out. Fantastic. I'm gonna be watching just for your set designs. Oh, great! I can't wait. <laughs> I'm gonna look <laughs> out for that so base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss, hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh yeah.